Spirit's here and elevate. And I'm here to testify to you about my life. I'm not going to hear to testify about God's faithfulness and material things, but in faithfulness in the last four years of my salvation. God has just shown me his faithfulness throughout that time. I'm not a perfect Christian. I've made mistakes. You know, I, I've, I've messed up here and there, but I've had faithful leaders in my life to help me through it. I had a faithful God to strengthen me, a faithful God to show me everything that I need to do. And even though I felt like quitting sometimes, even though I felt like just hitting the floor and saying, I don't want to do this anymore, God. I'm going to go back to the world. I'm going to go back to my partying ways. I'm going to go back to hang out with my friends because it was easier. But God showed me that through this challenge, he's here to strengthen me and to just to encourage you. And, and this scripture is, is coming alive as I speak. You know, it says in Romans 8.37, says, No, in all these, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors because God loves us. And then it says, For I'm convinced neither that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons no the neither the present nor future nor any powers neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation was able to separate us from the love of love of god that god is that sorry will able to separate us from the love of god that is in jesus christ and our lord so because god loves us because God loves us, because his love is the only one that will provide for you. Because he loves us, he is faithful. Because he loves us, I'm here today, four years later. I'm not saved from birth. I'm not a super Christian. I make mistakes. I'm not a perfect person. And I'm here to encourage you guys and let you know if you've made a mistake, God is still here at this altar. God is here in this room, and he's willing to accept you for who you are. Hey, Jesus, Lord God, I thank you, God, for what you're doing in my heart, in the heart of these people, Lord God. And I pray, God, that as we get into your presence, Lord God, that you be with us, Lord God. That you open up the hearts, God, of the broken. You open up the hearts of the imperfect. God, that you open up the hearts, God, of every single person here. God, just speak to them, God. Encourage them, God. And let them experience, God, the love that I experienced, God, the grace that I've experienced, Jesus. Jesus' name, Lord God, be with us today and let us press in, God, powerfully, God, and intimately, intimately with you, God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Put your hands together like this. Come on, we serve a great and awesome God. Come on, do you believe that this morning? Come on, shout amen. Amen, we believe that. Sing this out with us. You're the God of wonders. Say, God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy. You are holy, you are holy. The universe, the universe declares your majesty. You are holy. holy. Oh, come on, sing that again. God of wonders, sing it out. You're the God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, you are holy. Jesus, you're holy. You are holy, holy. Come on, sing Lord of all creation. You're the Lord of all creation. Of water, earth, and sky, sing it out. Of water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. The heavens are your tabernacle. We give glory to you, God.
want, I just want you to think about what this song says. That think about the world, think about the mountains, the trees, the great oceans, the ravines. There's awesome things that God has made in this earth. I want you to think about how vast this universe is, the stars, the galaxies. Even scientists don't even know how many galaxies are out there. This world is so vast. But there is a God in heaven that knows you're here this morning. There is a God in heaven that knows your life from the beginning to the end. The Bible says the thoughts he has about you are more than the sands on the sea. Come on, somebody. That this awesome, huge God, huge, I mean, goodness, like, it's ridiculous how awesome our God is that made everything we see and even the things we don't see. But he cares about you this morning. He knew that you would come today. He's drawn you to this place this morning. He cares for you. Come on, maybe some of you are feeling really small this morning, really insignificant. Maybe your life, you felt that way. You felt like, man, nobody really cares. Nobody really understands. But there is a God this morning that created this world, but also created you. Oh, Jesus. You knew us in our mother's womb, God. You knew who we would become. You knew our strengths, our weaknesses, God. But yet you loved us still. Come on, all over this room, I want you to close your eyes right now. All over this room, come on. Maybe this is new to you. Maybe you've never done this before. But right now, I want you to just take a leap of faith right now. And just close your eyes with me and say, God, I just want you. Just say, Jesus, man, if you're really there, God, if you are real, God, just speak to my heart. I'll touch my heart right now. Let me know that you're near, Jesus. And because we have a God that loves us this morning loves us this morning and I just declare the love of God all over this room I just declare the peace of God the joy of the Holy Spirit all over this room in this place Jesus let the love of the Father pour out upon us the love that you displayed on that cross Jesus let that love pour over your people today in Jesus name oh you love us this morning God you love us this
push through right now. Can you just push through right now? It's not about your neighbor. Come on, it's not about the music right now. You can encounter God. Come on, you, you and Jesus right now. Close your eyes right now with me. Come on. A mustard seed of faith, a little bit of faith is all you need. Shana makuna mama mama kaye. One touch from Jesus is all we need. One touch from you, God. One word from you is all we need this morning, Jesus. Shabara makira makuna mama makue. Usera makuna makue. Fire, fire of God. Shona makana. Burn away the things, God, that keep us from you. Shana mama mama kutenama. Lift up your voice this morning, church. Get desperate for him. We need you. We need you. We're lost without you. Come on, tell him. I can't do it alone, Jesus. I'm not going to fight anymore. Shana makuna makuana mama mama seai. Utsena masira makue. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, freedom. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we give you room to move this morning. It's not about us, it's about you. Man, if you believe you have a word from the Lord, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit in this church. We believe God speaks to his people. Holy Ghost, we give you this time to speak to us. respond to that word this morning if you've been walking that wide road your life has been on that wide road right now you can come to Jesus and walk that narrow path if that's you between you and Jesus say God I repent God I I, I ask for forgiveness for my mistakes God I'm going to walk that narrow path come on if that's you between you and God right now come on come to Jesus there's so much more so much more he wants to fill you with his spirit fill you with rivers of living water he said it not us come on Come to him right now. We want to walk that path, Jesus. Are there any more words? Jesus, we glorify you.
we're going to pray for needs in this place. And if that word was for you and you need to get on the narrow path to Jesus, I want you to come to the front. If you know that word was for you, I want you to come forward and to encourage those that need to come forward. If anyone else has a need, you have sickness in your body, you're struggling financially, you are far from God. If there's anybody in this place that has a need, I want you to come to this altar right now. If there's any need in your life to present before God, his presence is here. It is your chance to come to the front and present your needs to God. I want you to come to the altar and come to your knees, come before your God. You're not here for man, you're here for the Lord. This is not a show, this is for you to draw close to the heart of God, to let him know your needs. Jesus said, if you ask for anything in his name, it'll be given to you. So right now is your chance to get right. Right now is your chance to present your needs before God. Come before the Lord right now. I plead with you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We seek your face, God.
He asked his church to come forward to the altars to present their needs before their God. And he went to each person as they were at the altar and he said, what are you praying for? And each person gave their answer. And there was one man at the altar when he asked him, what are you praying for? He said, nothing in particular, I'm just praying. And the preacher responded, well, then that's exactly what you're going to get back. Nothing in particular. Today, you need a target. What exactly you want the Lord to do in your life. If you do not target what exactly needs to change, then nothing will change. Jesus. right now, God. Lord, we lift up the needs that are at this altar, God. Lord, we, we target exactly what it is we're dealing with, God. And we say, God, provide, Lord, provide for our, our needs, God. Lord, where we lack, we say, God, change us. Lord, God, change us. Make us new. Challenge us, Lord. Where there is no faith, God, we ask for faith. God, where there's no relationship with you, Jesus, we say we want to know you. If anybody here doesn't know you, Jesus, I pray that they would target the fact that they don't know you, Jesus, and that they would address it right now. If there is sin blocking their path from you, Jesus, that they would target that sin right now and say, Jesus, I give you pornography. Jesus, I give you lust. Jesus, I give you stealing and lying. Jesus, I give you adultery. Jesus, I give you crime. I give you violence. Jesus, I give you the hatred and bitterness in my heart. Jesus, I give it to you. Jesus, change me. Jesus, make me new. I come to you, Jesus. that you hear our prayers. You've heard us, God. Every person that's been bold enough, God, and humble enough, Lord God, to stand before you and ask you, God, to seek your face, God, I know, Lord, you've heard from heaven, God. And we know that you will meet all our needs according to the riches of your glory, Jesus. You will meet all our needs, Jesus. We thank you for this, God. We thank you for every person in this place, God. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. And as you remain in an attitude of prayer, you may find your seat. And I want to share with you all a message from the Word of God. In Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 24. It says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Verse 26 says, from one man he made every nation of men. That one man was Adam and his wife was Eve. And Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they were faced with a choice. God said not to eat from one tree, but he gave them everything else. But in their disobedience, when the serpent came and said, no, no, it's okay. No, God's trying to withhold something from you. No, no. God, God just knows that you're going to be like him if you eat from that tree. They let the devil whisper in their ear. And when the devil whispered in their ear, they allowed disobedience to enter into their heart. And they said, maybe he's right. And they took a bite out of the fruit that God had forbidden them. And that was the one man that all nations were created out of. And that man opened the doorway to sin to all of mankind. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all were sinners. We all were born sinners. But the thing is, God didn't create man so that you could just be lost in that darkness and lost in your sin. It says he did this so that man would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. See, even though... We're all born sinners. Jesus, he came. Jesus Christ came. He came down from heaven, even though he didn't have to. And he became for us a sacrifice. He sacrificed his life on a cross. He was sinless. He was perfect. He sacrificed his life for you. His sinless life blocks the wrath of God on the sin in your life. And today, you can know Jesus. Today, you can reach out and find him. Today is your chance because he's not far from you. Even though you think, even though you feel because of the sin that's been in your life that he is far from you, 
He is not. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we seek your face right now. God. Lord, I pray that this word from Acts 17, Lord God, would seep into someone's heart, that they would understand that you made all of earth knowing that one day they would be in this room right now and that they would hear this message, God, that they could know you, Jesus, that even though Adam brought sin into this world, Jesus took the sins of all the world so that they could know you, Lord, because Jesus, you said in your word in John 14 that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life, and that no one could come to the Father in heaven except through you, Jesus. The only way we could reach out and find you is through Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that during the time that prayer is offered, God, that those who feel this word pressing in their heart, that, Lord, they would go up and get prayer, and they would accept you, Jesus. Even right now, they can accept you, but I pray, Lord, that they would receive prayer and that they would get right with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all stand to your feet, please? We're going to recite our confession of faith, but before we do that, if there's anybody who was touched in your heart and you know that you are not right with God, but you know you need to reach out and find him, you know you need to get right with God. Griselda and Berto are in the back. They'll wave right now if you look. They're waving. And if you need prayer, go ahead and, and go back there and receive prayer. Amen? On the count of three, we're going to rec recite our confession of faith. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Everybody praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Go ahead and greet your neighbor as we play this video for you. Meet someone new. Get out of your comfort zone.
if you begin to make your way back to your seats. Just want to welcome everybody here this morning to the church that loves you. How many feel loved this morning? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Welcome to Metro Praise. Every Sunday at 10 a.m. we are meeting here. As you can see in our service, we're adding some special parts to our service. We want to make sure that we make time to share the gospel every week in our church. How many think it's important to preach the gospel in church? Amen. So I am thankful for the staff now that are preaching the gospel. These SUM graduates are preaching the gospel. So keep coming. If you like it this week, you're going to like it even more next week because we get better and better. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So keep coming with your family. We always have children's ministry in the back uh, in, in by the cafe area back there. And today's special because our children's pastor, along with our evangelism pastor, Jared, is preaching today in a Fox Lake area. So he was invited to go out there and preach. He's bringing the gospel even right now. And Friday and Saturday, they took a trip out to Rockford together to train up evangelists. So now this church is not only reaching here, but it's also reaching in the Chicagoland area. Can I hear an amen? So we just, uh, I was praying for him. I sent him a text and I said, bring the fire, baby. So I hope that he just brings some of that fire tonight or uh, this morning to that community because I know they need it. And then every Wednesday we have encounter night. Somebody say encounter night. Thank you. It's every Wednesday at 7. This is the Bible study prayer meeting for adults here. And then Royal Rangers Impact in the back for K through 5th. It's basically Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. So this is our program for the kindergartners all the way up to 5th grade. And God is doing awesome things. And the last Wednesday of every month is Family Fun Night. Somebody say fun. Come on, somebody say Family Fun Night. Thank you, Family Fun Night, last Wednesday of every month. And this one is going to be really cool because it is All Nations Dinner. So we want you to bring your favorite dish from the country you come from or the heritage that you have and come show up and just have a good time. And if you can't bring any food, just bring an appetite. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So bring an appetite. That will be that last Wednesday of the month. And by the way, the last Wednesday of every month is Family Fun Night, movie night. Sometimes we do outdoor games, something to get you out here during the week with your family. And then elevate. Come on, elevate. Amen. Elevate every Friday night at 730. Teenagers 11 to 18. Let's give it up for our elevators. Come on. Bing. Going to another level. It's like bing. You know the elevator thing? I tried. I try. Anyway, so Elevate Youth Group, come out. It's awesome. Summer, so many good things going on. God is just blessing this church right now. We are in the middle of a growth spurt in the middle of the summer. So I just think that's awesome. So look at your neighbor and say, keep coming because God is doing great things. Thank you. Thank you. Keep coming because God is doing great things. Here's something I want you to know, our vision. How many believe a church should have a vision? How about a focus? Amen. This is our focus, to love God and love people. Somebody say love God and say love people. Thank you. Jesus said to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is our focus here today and love your neighbor as yourself. Join with the vision. How you can do that at Metro Praise is connect, mentor, and send. Connect to the cross, then be mentored with the cross, and be sent out with the cross to change the world. And I want to play a video right now to show you what we did during Bariqua Fest to change the world for Jesus. Anybody go out to Bariqua Fest to preach the gospel? Wepa! Come on. So, brother, get that video ready. I want you to see what God did at Boricua Fest as we changed the world. Loving God, loving people. Thank you, brother.
king of these people. You're the Lord of this man, man, we're out here in Chicago for Jesus, Puerto Rican Festival 2012. We're out here spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the grace, love, and mercy that you poured on the cross. Hallelujah.
Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. You know, over a hundred people were led to the Lord during that outreach. Let's give Jesus a hand clap for that. Over a hundred people. God is so good. And this is what Metro Praise is about. We've been about it for the last seven years, and we're never going to change our focus. Our focus has been loving God, loving people, loving people on the west side, loving people at Boricua Fest, loving people at Belmont and Clark, loving people at Shores, at Foreman, at Lane Tech. We are going to love the people of this city, and we're going to treat them with the same respect that Jesus would. Amen? And Jesus loved people, but he also told them the truth. And so since we don't want to see our friends go to hell, we preach the gospel to them. Amen? And that's what we want you to join with Metro Praise to do, to love God and to love people with us. Now, how do we love people? We connect them to the cross. The best way to connect to the cross at this church is to get involved in life groups. Can somebody say life groups? <laughs> Excuse me, can you put up the slide for life groups, please? Life groups meet all throughout the week in different people's homes for Bible studies and fellowship. Does anybody get excited about life groups here today? Come on. Food, fun, and fellowship. So if you like to have food, you like to have fun, you like to have fellowship, go to one of these wonderful people's houses and begin to connect your life to this church to begin to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. And everybody say mentor. Thank you. Then in the life group, you can ask one of the mentors to go through this book with you one-on-one. -on -one. Everybody say one-on-one. One-on-one. -on -one. This church promises you a mentor who will love you and spend time with you and grow with you. And after you graduate from that, you can go into the 201 book. And this is the book where we raise up the world changers, history makers, and roof breakers for Jesus Christ. Because we believe then, if you have connected to the fellowship of this body, you've been mentored and trained in the things of God, we can send you out to change the world. And there's a lot of changing to be done. Amen. I believe God for 100,000 disciples in this city with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If anybody believes it, say, I believe. Amen. And that is what Metro Praise is about today. So we want to encourage you to join the vision. Everybody say the vision. Thank you. As a part of our vision right now, we are doing a mission fundraiser. Uh, Chris Vitali, would you come up, please? One of the most important things. There he is. Let's give it up for Pastor Chris Vitali. His wife, Vanessa, was up here before. Vanessa, would you come forward as well? I want to share with you a couple things that we are doing right now and some that we're doing a little bit different with this fundraiser. We started off raising $20,000 for our mission budget, $10,000 for here, Chicago Missions, and $10,000 for overseas missions. Now, we needed to buy our tickets to go overseas this week. Now, when we had the first plan, the first plan was for Chris and I to go there together to northern India, then to southern India, and then to Nepal. Well, things have changed. First of all, Nepal now says we cannot go into their country. He says that uh, the communists are, are threatening the, the pastors. So he says, I do not feel comfortable with you coming or putting all of my pastors in one location so that you could preach them because they can all get arrested at one time. That's not very smart to do, put them all in one location, round them up. Now, I have gone three years in a row. So I began to look at the budget, and I said, well, it appears that we only have the finances for one person to go, Chris or myself, one person 
to travel to India, and we're going to try to bring Pastor Matt have to us, and then he'll fly to the two parts of India. And I, and I looked at this budget, and I said, only one of us can go. Who should it be? And I just felt kind of like at that moment like a spiritual papa, and I said, man, I've already gone three times. They've already heard me preach, but you've never gone. And I believe that this is a God thing because Chris is called, along with Vanessa, to be missionaries. They lead up the Wicker Park campus right now. It is their heart and their desire to be there, but to one day go overseas. So our Wicker Park campus that meets at Wicker Park Fridays, I mean uh, Sundays at 5 o'clock tonight, they lead it up. But their ultimate goal is to go overseas. And so I looked at this and talked to my wife and I talked to Brother Anthony and I said, this is a big deal. He may not be ready. It may be scary to go out there, but we only got enough for one ticket. And I just felt burning in my heart that it was time for him to go. And I called him up. And once I got him on the phone, I said, brother, are you ready for the most radical phone call you've ever had in your life? We are sending you on a plane to New Delhi, India. And he took, you could hear the silence. And it was like, oh, you know, it's like, you're not coming with me. No. But we believe that when they did their three years, and we wish we could send Vanessa, but when he did his three years of Bible college and started pastoring at Wicker Park, we believe he is ready to do this. So the good news is about our fundraiser is we don't have to raise the rest of the mission money. It's already come in. The majority of all of this is to our mission, foreign mission fund. We've raised $7,173 thus far. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on. Amen. So what I want to do right now is I just want to pray for Chris. Can I get some of the elders to join me and just for his family? We just want to believe, God, that you're going to do this. You're not going to be scared. You're going to get out there. Now, the good thing is, you know, you got the Pilster back there. Pilster, can you raise your hand? Uh, kind of like the Barbie for Jesus. And the reason why I say she's the Barbie for Jesus is because when she was out there, every person wanted to take a picture with her because, you know, she's tall and white and American and all of that. You are going to be safe. You don't have to worry about being stalked, okay? But here is the thing that I want you to hear that the pilster can tell you, is the pilster can tell you the people you're going to be with, Pastor Anil and his family, are going to treat you so special, brother. We wish we could be with you, but we know God has raised you up for this, and ultimately that's your heart. And so we're going to believe God for Wicker Park. Here's the thing, because I see some Wicker Park folks. We're going to believe God in the next five years that Wicker Park will send them out as their missionaries and that God will raise up a new pastor there. So we're believing that this and for the next five years is going to be a step in that right direction to be with them and to just go for broke for Jesus. I know I'm going to be praying with you a whole bunch. I would like for one of the elders to pray. David, would you just kind of come in front and just pray for him? I'll give you the mic here. Lord, we thank you for Chris, Lord, and his obedience to you, Lord, and your word, Lord, Father God, that as he gets sent out, Lord, Father God, that he would do mighty things in his name, Lord. Give him strength and courage, Lord, to overcome the authorities and the principalities and the rulers of that nation, Lord, Father God, that are overcoming those that are seeking your word and your truth, oh, Father God. We pray for wisdom, Lord, and strength, Lord, Father God. We rebuke any attacks against him, Lord, Father God. Lord, Father God, we pray that you, you walk him and you guide him, Lord, Father God, and you give him wisdom, that you lead him to the people, Lord, Father God. Lord, that you that you uh, cultivate the ground for him before he gets there, Lord. Let seeds be planted, Lord. Let they sprout as he leads, oh, Father God. Let him leave a legacy of leaders there, Lord, that would hunger for your word and continue to grow. In Jesus' name, Lord, Father God. Amen. Let's just bless the Lord for this awesome servant. 
He's leaving his wife behind, pregnant wife. But as we were praying, I looked at the SUM bracelet, and it says, Leaders Lead. That's what the bracelet says. Amen, man of God. We're going to send you out there. God's going to be with you. He's going to do great things. Let's give it up for Chris and Vanessa. Amen. Praise God. Would you open up your Bibles with me to first, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, because now we need this $8,000 plus for our budget. I always believe missions comes first. Do for others what you want done for you. Make happen for others what you want to have happen for you. So instead of taking that first, uh, you know, $7,000 and putting it towards our expenses, you know what we put it towards? Missions. Now, some of you may say, Pastor, that's not a good financial plan. You shouldn't do that. Shame on you. That's what I want to say to you is shame on you. Because if I don't sow seed, I can't reap a harvest. If Metro Praise does not sow its best into others, we cannot expect others to give their best here. God said, give, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We're believing God now that this church and the people affiliated with this church will now give and will now supply the need for Metro Praise so we can continue our mission work here that we can continue with our vehicles here, that we can keep Wicker Park, Metro Praise Wicker Park, Tuesday Bible Studies, uh, 5 o'clock service on Sundays, and Friday's youth group at 7.30 with Elliot. We want to believe, God, that we can keep going to the Boricua Fest. We can keep sending our pastors to the Taste of Chicago, to Rockford. We believe God has called us to do this. Can you say amen? Amen. Now look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. He says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Everybody say extreme poverty. And everybody say rich generosity. Don't those sound like opposites? How in the world are you going to be, just look up at me, please. How in the world are you going to be in extreme poverty and then yet be rich in generosity? That sounds crazy, doesn't it? That sounds like, man, this Bible is messed up. How could somebody be broke as a joke and yet be the biggest giver on the block, the most generous person you know? Let's keep going. Because he said these churches were in extreme poverty, but they were rich in generosity. Let's keep going. For I testify, verse 3, that they gave as much as they were able. They gave as much as they were able. You see, we're in a recession right now, and many of us are looking at our bank accounts, and we're saying, I don't have $8,000. I don't have a lot of money. But how can you be rich in generosity? You give what you're able to give. I'm going to say that again. You give what you're able to give. You know what you can sacrifice and give for this church. If this church is not important to you, then please, I beg of you, don't give your money here. Go spend it on McDonald's and cable and cell phones. But if this church is important to you, if what we do is important to you, then I also plead with you to give sacrificially so that we can keep going in the midst of a recession. He said, for I testify, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, 
Nobody made them do it. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Somebody say, they urgently pleaded for the privilege of sharing. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's a privilege to share. Think about the privilege God has given you to share. If you have more, more than one pair of shoes, you can share a pair of shoes. That's a privilege. You got an extra seat in your car, you can bring somebody to the church. That's a privilege. You have a few extra dollars in the bank account. That's a privilege. You can share that. It is up to you what you want to do. It's got to be entirely on your own. But these Macedonian churches that helped Paul, Paul said they were in extreme poverty, but they were rich in generosity. Why? Because they gave all that they could and even beyond that. And they begged, they pleaded with the opportunity for the privilege to share with me in the service of the saints. Verse 5, and they did not do as we expected but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to keeping, uh, then to us in keeping with God's will. That means they went beyond the expectation. When you look around at Metro Praise and you go, you mean these guys are touching Humble Park when no other churches are going out there? Yes. You mean these guys have over 250 churches in five different nations, the Philippines, Nigeria, India, Pakistan, are you all listening to me? You say, these guys, yes, these, in Nepal, these guys, yes. Why? Because we're doing beyond what is expected of us because we first give ourselves to the Lord. You ever heard anybody say, well, I don't want to give my money to this church or I don't want to give my money to that? You ever hear anybody say that? It's not your money if you give yourself to the Lord first. If you say, Lord, everything I have belongs to you, from my head to my heart to my wallet, everything is yours. That ain't your money anymore, is it? So how can you give generously even when you don't think you have is when you give yourself to the Lord and now you say, God, blank check on the table, there's the pen. Tell me how much I should write that for. It's your money anyway. Tell me how much I should give of your money today, Lord. One example sticks out of my mind of this uh, Pastor Mark Brewer of the Oaks Fellowship in Dallas was at a mission service like this and, and God was testing his heart and his generosity if you'd be willing to give. And he said, yes, Lord, you know I'm always willing to give. And God said, well, would you take out two of your checks and give them to two of the students in your master's commission and tell them to give whatever I told them to give? And, of course, the first thing that came into his mind is, God, they need to give that out of their own money. This is my money. God said, no, 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 no. That's my money. And you're just holding on to it right now. And I've told two students what to give, and they don't have it, but you do. And I want to see if you'll trust me. He took a big gulp, gulp, and he went to two students with two blank checks, totally trusting God. You know you got to hear from God to do something crazy like this. And he said, God told me that he put a number in your heart to give in this offering, but you don't have any money. And he told me that you're supposed to write it on this check right here. He had no idea what they were going to give. As a matter of fact, he never knew what they gave until the check statement came in, until he realized what it was. He was willing to step out in faith and say, God, it's your money. And God, if you want to use it for this, 
then use it for this. When was the last time you trusted God like that? I remember when I was in Bible college and I was on the ramen noodle diet. You know, my parents would send me money and I would just buy ramen noodles. It was so funny because I came to, to a, you know, Chicago and I found out like the Filipinos, like ramen noodles is like the creme de la creme. Like for, for us, we didn't appreciate ramen noodles, but I got some Filipino friends who like, man, ramen noodles, that's good. Have that every day. Sorry, guys. But for me, I was like, that's a little weird, you know. So I was on the ramen noodle diet, which some would like, but it was weird for me. And God then told me to do this. He said, every time, anybody ever see the movie Supersize Me? Anybody ever see that? The whole idea was he would go to a McDonald's, and anytime time they would ask him for a supersize, he was supposed to then take the supersize. This is what God did to me in Bible college when I was on the ramen noodle diet. He said, whenever you're in a service and they talk about missions, this was before debit cards, by the way. He said, whatever's in your wallet, you give to missions. That's what God told me. I'm being honest with you. I didn't take my first mission trip until after being a Christian for 10 years. Are you all tracking with me? First place I went to was Mexico. Uh, we, we, you went down there and spent two months. Rosa Morada, the peak. We went everywhere. Mexico. And I would be in church service, and sometimes I wasn't thinking. I would have cashed the check my mom sent me for the month. And I would be going to church with a wallet full of money. Serious. My mom will tell you this because she, she kept, you know, she would come and visit. She would talk to me. She said, what would you have for dinner? I'd say, ramen noodle, ramen noodle. She'd say, I'm sending you money. Why do you keep eating ramen noodles? I said, oh, I'm in church. The guy talks about missions. And God told me to give. And I'm giving it all away. She'll tell you. She'll tell, you can ask her. She'll be here next week. And I would make that mistake. And sometimes I would come there with that check just cashed. And somebody would be like, I'm going to Mozambique, I'm going here. And I would come and drop it in. But I began to see God bless my life. And I began to see God bless the people around me and the ministries that we were doing. And I began to see things happen. You see, a lot of times people ask me, Joe, how did you get a, a guy on a plane? True story, I never met him before, met him on a plane. And then he wrote me a check for $20,000 after he just heard, uh, you know, my heart for the ministry. He, he gave over $20,000 to the ministry over the next six months. And people say, Joe, how would you have such a miracle like that happen? Why doesn't that happen to me? Well, have you emptied out your wallet before like that? Have you done crazy stuff for God? So anyways, towards the end of the Bible college semester, I started to realize how this would work. That when I gave everything, God would bless me. And then I just started coming to church and I was like, come on, where's a missionary at? I want to see somebody stand up and talk about missions because I got a wallet. This is no lie. I said, I got a wallet full of money and I want to bless those missionaries. Because I began to realize at first what was impossible for me to do, God began to make it possible and as i began to sow seed god began to bless me what if he never blesses me pastor well you'll get blessed when you get to heaven because he says store up treasures in heaven amen i don't bribe you with that i just say do what god tells you to do it's not yours they gave themselves to the lord and then now verse seven but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Everybody say, the grace of giving. Brother, would you put this up on the board? We're going to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings today. What our remaining money is going to go to is that we can pay off debt and pay the rent for next month. 
We do not have next month's rent. That is the situation we are in. I'm not here to plead with you. I'm not here to lie to you, and I'm not here to bargain with you. This is what God said. If you want to do it, let him bless you, and he will. He will give you the grace. If you don't want to do it, that's between you and him. But I'm just asking, and I'm believing that there is a group of people in this place that have a tenacious faith on the inside of them. And even though they may be in extreme poverty, they want to be rich in generosity. And there may be some of you here today like I used to be sitting in the back row of a church and you're pleading with me and you're saying, Pastor, give me an opportunity to share in the privilege of giving because I gave it already to the Lord and it belongs to Him. And for those people, I say thank you because what you do changes the world. If everybody was like the ones who didn't give, there would be no church. But if everybody was like the ones who gave, we would do 10 times, 100 times more what you're seeing than what you're seeing right now. Come on, somebody. Would you stand up on your feet with me today? The Bible says a 10% of tithe belongs to the Lord. That is above and beyond our offerings. So we're asking you to be faithful in your tithes, giving 10%. And then an offering is whatever you offer above it. And today you can circle missions or building, but either way it's going to the same fund. It's for here and overseas. Would you help us today to clear out that $8,000 so that this month we say, God, you showed up and showed off and gave us what we needed. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for a church, Lord, that's obedient to your word. And for the 7000 that's already been raised, and it wasn't done because people are just filthy rich, but they did it out of sacrifice. And I thank you for their generosity. And now, Lord, we're halfway there. I pray for the other half of us to give today as you purpose in our heart so that this church can change the world. And I lift up to you, Jared, preaching right now, God, in Fox Lake area. Bless him in the words that he's preaching. Bless Rockford and the, so, uh, the seeds that were sown there and the projects as they went to the inner city of Rockford. God, I ask you to bless Pakistan and the 80 churches we have there, Nepal, the 15 churches, northern India, the 40 churches, southern India, the 80 churches, the Philippines, the 15 churches. Oh, God, in Nigeria, the five churches for 250 metros. Praise churches. We pray you bless them and you do a work in them and that God you send forth Chris to empower them to make disciples of all nations, Lord. And then we ask last but not least for this nation, for the presidency coming up, God, that you would put the right man in office for our government leaders, for all that that's on the table, budget reform, God, health care reform, that, God, you would start with our mayor all the way to the president and bless this nation again, oh, God, as you bless your people here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Let's say our confession of faith for finances on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as you give today? Thank you so very much. God bless you.
thank you so much for giving. You can always give before and after services at our boxes and online. So would you just keep playing for me? I want to ask you guys a question today. Who is the God of the Bible? This is a section of our service we call What Do You Believe? Get you to think about this today. Who is the God of the Bible? You know, a lot of times we look at the Bible and we say, well, you know, our God is like this, but the God of the Muslims is, you know, the same God. And the God of the Hindus is the same God. Do you think the gods of all the other nations, all the other idols, all the other uh, religions are the same God as the God of the Bible? I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. Because the God of the Bible is specifically the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, do I believe that there is only one God? Absolutely. But when people bow down towards Mecca, call him Allah, and look to the Quran to teach them about God, that is not this God. That is not the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When Buddhists begin to meditate and they talk about a God that is of energy, that's going to come through them and they're going to get recycled into that energy, that's not the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When the Hindus bow and they have these multiple gods and then they say the one great God is Brahma, that is not the same God. The God of the Bible is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call this a trinity. Everybody say the trinity. Thank you. Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about everybody has the same God, you've got to be very careful with that. In the sense of creation, do we all have the same creator? Yes. Is there only one God that we should all worship? Yes. But is that God the same God other religions are worshiping? Absolutely not. And when we look at the Trinity, we look at the tri-personal nature of God. There is one God who is the supreme being, all-knowing, omnipresent, and all-powerful. That God is in three divine persons, equally God, not three parts of God, but each equally God. The Father is 100% God. Jesus is 100% God, and the Holy Spirit is 100% God, but they are not the same person, but they share the same being. One of the greatest examples of the Trinity you can look at actually comes from the Scripture. When he made man in his image, he then took from man woman, and the two became one in marriage. When you look at mankind, there's only one kind of mankind, only one race, the human race. So what kind of being are you? You are a human being, right? You are a human being, but you are a different person from other human beings. Are you listening to me? So I'm not the same human being as Salvador is the same human being, but we are in the same nature a human being. There is only one kind of God being, only one kind of God race. That is the God of the Bible. But there are three persons in that God race, in that God kind. The Father is a person, and he is a God kind. Jesus is a person separate from the Father, and he is a God kind. And the Holy Spirit is a separate person, is a God kind. Just like there could be three of us. And we're not the same persons, but we're all human beings in our nature. Are you guys listening? There are three persons that make up the one nature of God. Now that we've just fried your little, your little noodles this morning, we're going to put on a cool video. Look at your neighbor now. Ask him, what do they think? What do you believe? Ask somebody next to you as this cool video plays in the background. Ask them, what do you believe? Do you believe that? Let's discuss that with each other right now. This is where you guys interact. 
Do you believe what I just said? Do you look at it differently? Talk about it with your neighbor right now, please. Just a few more moments. Discuss with your neighbor. What do you think about God? Who is the God of the Bible? Who is the God of the Bible? And everyone sings. What do we know? What do we know? What do we know? What do we know? All right, you can begin to wrap it up. As you begin to wrap up, open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It's so good to see everybody here this morning in the house of God. I am just glad you're here. If you're new, go into the back, get some information about our church at the VIP Center. want to treat you special. Also have a cafe at the back of the church for you today to get some free refreshments. Today we're going to talk about identity in Christ. But for many, it has become an identity crisis. Open up to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. want to talk to you about your identity in Christ today. As you're turning there, I want to get you thinking about what I see as a pastor oftentimes in church. Many times people will come to church, accept Jesus into their life. They'll have a real experience. They may even get baptized. They may get filled with the Holy Spirit. They may even have emotional experiences in church for week after week after week. But something will happen in their life where they'll begin to doubt who God is or what God said they were. They'll begin to face circumstances and challenges, and at those times, instead of thinking that God is with them and they can make it through, they begin to think that God isn't with them and that there's nothing really different about them. And instead of knowing their identity in Christ, they begin to have an identity crisis. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes as a part of our introduction. When you are in Christ, your present circumstances do not determine your identity. Write that down so you don't forget it. When you are in Christ, your present circumstances do not determine your identity. I remember when I first gave my heart to Jesus and I started battling the temptations of smoking and drinking and partying. You know, that was the life that I lived. I remember going on my knees at night praying with the Bible open and tears coming down my eyes and me saying to God, God, take away these addictions. Take away the problems that I have. And I can even remember tears coming down my face and staining the pages of the Bible I was reading because they were just flowing down my face, dripping onto the pages of that Bible. I don't know if you've ever been there before. 
When you face circumstances and situations, you begin to question who you really are. Maybe you've come to this altar and you've confessed Christ, but dealing with pornography is such a challenge for you that the devil has now convinced you that you will always be addicted to pornography. And so when you come to a service like this, you feel bad, but then you begin to feel like you can never change. And so instead of realizing that you are pure and holy, that is your identity in Christ, your present circumstance begins to dictate your identity, begins to determine who you are. And you begin to say, well, I guess this is who I am. I've always been addicted to pornography. I'll be always addicted to pornography. My father struggled with it. I'll probably struggle with it my whole life. See, that's an identity crisis. Or I remember the time just about seven years ago when I resigned one church and I was looking for God's direction, and that's when we started Metro Praise. But there was three months where I didn't have a job, and it was the worst feeling in the entire world. I have worked my whole life. From the very moment that I knew what work was, I was working. As a matter of fact, Nancy just told me a praise report yesterday. Now Bethany at three years old knows how to move the cold laundry clothes into the dryer, the wet clothes. She can open it up, take out the wet clothes, and put it into the dryer. That's three years old. That's pretty awesome. That's how I was raised. You work. You have allowances. I remember my dad taking me into the garage one day. I was a young man, and he was showing me the lawnmower, and I was like, that's cool. That's neat. I didn't know what he was doing. And then he started it up, and he said, push. You're mowing the lawn now. I couldn't have been more than six, seven, eight years old. I'm telling you the truth. And my dad said, push. You're mowing the lawn. I remember my dad's business that he owned a convenience store. And I just remember every day of the summer where I would be at that convenience store. And he said, you can skateboard in the parking lot, but you'll be painting, you'll be cleaning, you'll be sweeping with the broom. I say all of that to, to, to say my identity as a man was always, I'm a working man. I work. That's what I do. I get up, I work. But seven years ago, when I resigned from that job that I had, being a youth pastor, and I didn't know where I was going to go, the devil began to come to me. He began to say, you're a loser. You can't find a job. And I was calling up denominations, and I was asking people if I could be their youth pastor or be their pastor, and every door was shutting, and the devil was saying, you're a loser. You don't have a job. I remember going to my wife, and she had a job at the bank, and I always looked down upon guys who were married to women that had jobs, and the, and the men didn't have jobs. And I said, honey, I am so sorry that this has happened to me. I don't know what to do. And she said, don't give up. And I remember going on construction sites. And if you know me, you know I'm not a construction worker. But I tried. And every door shut and slammed in my face. And I remember falling on my knees and weeping and crying out to God, going, God, who in the world am I? I feel like a bum. And one day a couple of people, David Montez and a few of his friends who prayed today for Chris, David Montez and a few of his friends while we were playing Xbox, came up to me and said, would you do a Bible study with us? And I said, when I get done with this Xbox game, I will. Sure, I'll give it a shot. And then, and then I went and called up my pastor because we said that we would do it another couple of days. And I called up Brother Anthony. And I said, Brother Anthony, you know, I got nothing else to do. These people have asked me to do a Bible study. What should I do? And he said, man, do the Bible study. I said, what if people think I, I'm trying to start a church out of rebellion? What if they don't think I'm a good man because I haven't done this through a denomination? And he said, start the Bible study. 
That's how the church you're sitting in today was started seven years ago. And I look now as I talk to people in the economy right now, to men especially, and because they've been laid off or their uh, trade that they've learned in life, they can't find a job, they begin to have an identity crisis. I've had men in my office weeping after they've worked 20 years in one industry, and they're weeping and crying, going, I don't know who I am anymore. So I want you to remember that statement that I gave you at the beginning. Your present circumstance does not determine your identity. There are so many times in your life, in my life, we make mistakes, we go through hard times, and we want to believe the lie of the devil because it seems so true to us. We'll believe the lie of the devil, that label that he puts on us, bum, unemployed, addicted to pornography, angry, upset, you know, high school dropout. We'll allow the devil to put these labels on us because we're facing those situations. But my friends, it is not your circumstance that dictates dictates your identity when you're in Christ. It is the Word of God and what God said about you that determines your identity in Christ. And let me just say this last example before I preach this sermon. My last name shows the identity of what family I come from. So does your last name. Why Rostick shows that I come from Jim and Lorraine. Why Rostick? When I did dumb things and got arrested, was I still a Why Rostick? Yes. When I dropped out of high school and made that mistake, was I still a Wyrostic? When I pastored and things were good in my life, was I a Wyrostic? Yes. When I did things that were bad in my life, was I a Wyrostic? In every situation I faced in life, was I still a Wyrostic? Those who are in Christ are always who Christ says they are because they are God's children. When you make mistakes, that does not make you no longer God's child. When you go through ups and downs, that does not take away your identity. Stop speaking over your life, your circumstance, and start speaking over your life, your identity, and let God bless you and turn your frown upside down. Because though your miracle may not come when you want it to, your miracle is still going to come. Because your daddy, your father in heaven is not a liar though men may lie God will never lie to you let's look to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 if you're ready somebody say I'm ready this is for those today that have faced identity crises I pray that all of us would know our identity in Christ Ephesians 2 8 through 10 says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not of yourselves it is the gift of God not by work so that no one can boast for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do you are saved by grace everybody say by grace see sometimes we think we are saved by our good works Jesus did not die on the cross for good people Jesus did not die on the cross for well-intended people or for people that were so-so and just a little bit bad and just needed a little help. Jesus died on the cross for sinners, wicked people like you, like me. You don't save yourself, my friend. That's why many of you have that identity crisis is because you think you and God are doing salvation together. Jesus died so that you might live. 
You who are dead in sin, you could not do one thing for your own salvation. Imagine if there was a funeral uh, going on today and we had a dead man right here. You were like that dead man and you could not do one thing for yourself in salvation. You were dead. There was not one good thing you can do. When you put your faith in Christ, what Christ did for you is he resurrected you a new creation. He then worked in your life as a workmanship to create you to do good works. So for everybody here dealing with an identity crisis of how you are saved, and sometimes I don't feel saved, sometimes I don't feel like a Wyrostic, but I'm still a Wyrostic. Sometimes I don't act like a Wyrostic, but I'm still a Wyrostic. You need to settle it in your heart. I am saved not because of what I did, but because of what he did. I'm going to give you some faith, seven faith confessions today. And I'll say them first, and then I want you to say them with me. First faith confession today that you need to speak over your life is that you are a masterpiece of God. Here's the faith confession. Because of Jesus' work on the cross... I am God's masterpiece. I am here to do good works prepared for me in advance. Let's say that on the count of three. One, two, three. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, I am God's masterpiece. I am here to do good works prepared for me in advance. Do you believe that? Are you going to let your circumstance dictate your identity or are you going to believe that? How many women are going to believe that? Or are they going to believe what's on a newspaper that's been photoshopped or a magazine? See, so do you believe that? It's up to you. Your identity has already been determined by your heavenly father. He says you are a masterpiece because of what Jesus did. Well, I don't always act like it. He said you're a masterpiece. People don't always tell me I'm a But he said you're a masterpiece. I don't know the good I'm supposed to do. He created you to do good. I don't know how to do good things. He created you to do those good things. It is up to him in you today to do those good things. Do you think it's my ability that makes me a preacher? Do you think it's my ability that makes me a good father, a good husband? These are gifts of God. That's what grace means. Karas in the Greek is a gift of God. Do you believe the identity of the word of God? Or do you believe what you say, others say, the devil says? Who are you today? I've decided I'm going to believe that. I decided to believe that I am God's masterpiece that I am here to do good works prepared for me in advance to do. Here's another scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Could that be any more clearer to us? But yet so many times we don't believe it. Look at what it says. Here's the faith confession number two, brand new. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, I am brand new. All my old junk is gone. Everything is new in my life. I want you to say that with me. One, two, three. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, I am brand new. All my old junk is gone. Everything is new in my life. You believe that? Well, I look at my life, I still got all these bad habits. Jesus said everything is new. 
Well, I still struggle with that. I don't agree with that. I don't understand that. Then you will stay where your faith is. If your faith is you are still jacked up, you will stay jacked up. If you believe the power of your mommy and daddy to mess up your life is still strong enough after the cross, then they will still mess up your life. But if you choose to believe this, you will have what you say in Jesus' name. Because he said it. He said it. So when somebody comes to the cross... And they come here and they confess their sins. Jesus says to them, and by the way, is Jesus playing make-believe here? Is faith the same as make-believe? Are we supposed to come up here and go, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Think about it every night and day. Is that what we're supposed to is, is, is faith the same as make-believe? Let me tell you the difference between make-believe and faith. Make-believe is what you think of, what you make up. Faith is what God said. God said it. Joe, how did you stop smoking when I believed I was a new creation? God, how, uh, Joe, how did you stop cursing? I used to curse every other word. Joe, how did you do it when I believed? Because Jesus did it in me. It wasn't Joe trying real hard. It wasn't 12 steps to stop cursing. It was one step to who Jesus said I was. Well, do you ever mess up at it? Yeah. Well, not the cursing part, but I mess up sometimes at being a new creation. But it doesn't change who I am. See, right about now, some of you might be questioning this idea of confessing the word of God. But I want to give you a couple scriptures that actually teach it, the power of confessing the word in your time of identity crisis. Romans 10, 17 in the King James says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everybody say, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, some of you don't have faith to believe in who you are in Christ because you don't hear the Word of God. If you're not hearing the Word of God, faith is not coming. Well, I'm just a sinner. Well, I'm just, you know, addicted. I'm just this. I'm just that. I'm just a, a you know, I talk to these men all the time. Well, I'm just a dog. You know, I can't, I can't help but look at other women. How am I ever going to stay true? You know, what you confess is what you have. You keep confessing you're a dog. You keep confessing that you can't live pure. You keep confessing that you're not going to be able to live for Jesus. Well, I don't know if, I, if I'm going to get baptized because I don't know if I can live for Jesus. Well, you won't live for Jesus with that attitude. You're going to get exactly what you have, what, what you say you will have because you don't believe it. And some of you think, well, I'm just going to stay in neutral. I'm just going to stay in neutral, and I'm going to do my best. Your self-effort will not increase your faith. I'm going to say that again. Your self-effort will not increase your faith. You trying harder will not make you believe this more. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How do you increase your faith? By hearing the Word of God. Now, for some of you, this is a rebuke, and I'll tell you why. Because you have a complaining, stinking, thinking attitude. And for some of you, this word is like a rebuke, and you can feel me coming against that bad thinking. For others of you, this is a great encouragement because you've been battling with condemnation and guilt, and you're beginning to get free in this message, and i got five more to go through with you. And I'm going to tell you something. You believe this for the rest of your life. You will see victorious living in your life. You will see overcoming of things you never thought you could overcome. But for some of you who don't understand this yet and you're, and, you're, and you're saying, oh, I don't think it can be that easy. The reason why you don't think it can be that easy is because your stinking thinking has become your identity. What you think has become your identity. You have exalted your thoughts above the thoughts of God. 
You, that's what it is. The Bible says, pull down every argument in high thought above the knowledge of God. Proverbs 18.21, this is the Bible, says the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who, live, those who love it will eat its fruit. Do you know that messy people cause messes because they create messes? Because they're messy and they create them with their words. Do you know that marriages and all of these things that fall apart fall apart because of words and thoughts are just a, a words are just a manifestation of your thoughts. And so you are as you think and you talk as you think. So your expressions of your word are telling us what you're thinking. And the Bible says you're going to eat what you talk. You talk a certain way, you're going to create an environment around you where people are going to treat you a certain way. You come with that attitude, people are going to respond with an attitude. You come with woe is me, people are going to treat you woe is me. You're going to wonder why you can't get a job while others can't. And it's the way you're presenting yourself sometimes at those interviews. You're going to wonder why you're single for a season. It's because the reason is you're not who Christ told you to be. And I'm not saying everybody unemployed or single has a problem. I'm just saying I meet so many singles, so many people that have issues in their life, so many messy people, and they just want to say, oh, you know, whenever it changes, whenever it changes, or I'm going to try a little better next time. No, you need to stop trying to do it your way, and you need to start doing it God's way. I've seen people come to these altars from every lifestyle you can imagine, and by the power of Jesus Christ changed her life. Let me tell you one story. There was a young lady that came to our church, and she was in the lesbian lifestyle for about four years, and she felt that's who she was. She believed this is who she was. The agenda of her friends told her, you know, and all the things she was listening to, she felt that that was right. But she began to hear the word of God, and the word of God began to come into her heart that she was not made to be this way. The identity crisis was beginning to be corrected. And she came to an altar and she said, I want Jesus. But when she went home, she still felt like the same old lesbian girl that she had been before. Until she went to the word of God and began to realize who she was. Then she started to speak the word of God over her life. I am a new creation. Well, I was born this way. Yeah, but I was born again. A new creation. God is now with me. God, and she started confessing the word. Now she has graduated from Bible college. She works in the ministry, and she has a DVD and a short booklet that she sends to churches that, uh, that are, are allowing the same-sex marriages to tell them this is a lie, and she still works in churches, and she'll come and talk to you and say, yes, I was born that way. I felt this way. I thought this way until I realized who God said I was. I've worked at Teen Challenge and drug and alcohol clinics my whole entire time I've been a Christian. Matter of fact, one of the first places I preached after being saved only six months was at, a, was at a drug rehab, and I've been preaching at them ever since. And you'll meet men there, and you can always tell the difference from the ones who are getting free, the ones who are living a new life, to the ones who are just shucking and jiving, going through the motions. And it's always based upon the confession of their mouth. You can tell by their attitude the altitude that they're going to go with God. When I go to these drug and alcohol places, man, this place is so hard. Man, they make me get up and pray. I don't feel it's working. That's exactly who they are right now. It's not working. It's hard. They're not getting free. 
But when I meet those people that come and go, I believe God set me free, they're still shaking getting off the drug. I believe God set me free. I believe I'll never go back again. Those are the people today that are still serving the Lord, some of them I met 10 years ago. Because they believed. I remember watching one man detox in my house. It was the weirdest thing and the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Shaking and sweat coming down and detoxing off a of crack and heroin. But he said, Pastor, I'm just going to serve Jesus. I'm just going to serve Jesus. I mean, no matter what happens to me, Pastor, if I pass out, take me to the hospital. You know, obviously I probably should have took him there before all that started happening. I didn't know. I was a young pastor. Sweating, bucking, and jerking. Then I went down for Katrina relief. That was about five, six years ago. I mean, uh, at that time, then five or six years passed by. I go down for Katrina relief because, you know, I moved up here to Chicago. I see a guy driving a fork truck, dropping off food, helping the hurting families out there. And all of a sudden, the guy gets out of the fork truck, Pastor, Pastor, it's me. He comes running, gives me a big bear hug, and said, man, I've been serving God ever since the day you took me off the street. Ever since you left New Orleans, you put me in that, because I put him into another rehab. He said, I've been serving the Lord. I've been working at this church. God has changed my life. You know why? Because he believed what God said. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this. God has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Face confession number three. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, I am righteous. My new nature is righteous, just like Jesus is righteous. Let's say it on count of three. One, two, three. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, my new nature is righteous, just like Jesus is righteous. Do you believe that today? Do you believe you've been made righteous in Jesus Christ? How about this one? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Here's faith confession number 4. Because of the Father's generosity in Jesus' work, I am spiritually blessed. Jesus has given me every spiritual blessing I need. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Because of the Father's generosity in Jesus' work, I am spiritually blessed. Jesus has given me every spiritual blessing I need. You believe that? Do you believe Jesus has given you every blessing you need? You feel your joy tank running low? You feel the peace of God running low? Is there more in heaven for you? Yes, there is. How about this one? Going on to faith confession number four, Philippians 4.19. That's why we say it over our offerings. And my God will meet all your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Faith confession number five. Because of Jesus, I am materially blessed. Jesus has given me every material blessing I need. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Because of Jesus, I am materially blessed. Jesus has given me every material blessing I need. Well, Pastor, I don't have everything I need. You're letting your circumstance dictate your identity then. You see, when you face a time of lack and you don't believe that God is providing and you let that time of lack dictate who you are, how you talk, you complain, you have now forgotten the promises of God and the devil has put you in a trap where now you will have what you say and what you say is you don't got nothing and that's what you're going to stay at is having nothing. 
But in that moment of your circumstance, in your storm, when it doesn't look like you got everything, if you confess the word and say, because of Jesus, I am blessed. Jesus has given me everything I need. I'm going to pay those bills in Jesus' name. I will pay for my kids' schooling in Jesus' name. A job is coming to me. When you start speaking that, you will have that because God backs up his word. You will eat the fruit of what you say well these are secrets of success whether you want them or not here they come some of you are going to take them serious we're going to see you blessed amen and don't hate just celebrate because we ain't going to be jealous of you amen we're going to believe that you put these principles to practice Philippians 4.19, do not be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is faith confession number six? When I pray and bring thanksgiving, God hears me. Jesus gives me peace beyond my understanding in every troubled situation. Say that with me on a count of three. One, two, three. When I pray and bring thanksgiving, God hears me. Jesus gives me peace beyond my understanding in every troubled situation. How many of you faced a troubled situation this week? How about last week? How about last month? Are you all alive? How many have ever faced a troubled situation in their life? Let me see your hands up. Jesus promises you when you come to him, when you come to him, to him, not to your lawyer, not to a job recruiter. When you come to him, he will give you peace beyond your understanding. Have you faced a situation bigger than you yet in your Christian walk? Have you faced something in your Christian walk that just a couple days don't fix? Just a couple friends on the phone talking, don't fix. You see, as Christians, we who have walked this through for years are trying to give you the secret of success because I talk to the life group leaders so often, and they say it's like a broken record with so-and-so. All they do is come and complain, come and complain, and we give them the word, but they don't listen. They come and complain. Then they blame it on us. They blame it on the church. They think God doesn't listen to them. My friends, if you work the word, the word will work for you. You ain't the first one to have a troubled situation in your life. You know the man who wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul, had lost his family in the middle of a boat storm and a crash when the boat sank, and he wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. How in the world does a man write a song, It Is Well With My Soul, when he just lost his wife and kids? Because when he prayed and gave thanksgiving, God heard him, and Jesus gave him peace beyond his understanding. How many of you want peace? You need to believe that today. And here lastly in Romans chapter 8, 28 and onward, one of the most famous scriptures says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Those who God foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. brethren. Everybody say, God loves me and created a plan for me. See, do you understand that everything you face in life, God has already orchestrated in his plan? Do you think in heaven right now, everybody up there is running around going, hey, there's a recession down there. We don't know what to do about this, God. What should we do? Or do you think heaven understands there's a recession and already planned it out? How many know God already has a way of escape in the time of your temptation and trouble? That's what that says. 
And he predestined and called, and those he called he justified, and those he justified he glorified. What then shall we say in response for this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those God has chosen? It is God who justifies Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Do you know that Jesus is interceding for you and he has the power to condemn you right now if he wanted to but instead he's praying that you will make it through the situations you are facing. Number 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? Look at all those things they list. All the things we could possibly be be afraid of. I'm afraid of being persecuted. I'm afraid of famine. I'm afraid of being naked. I'm afraid of danger, sword, war. He says, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But verse 7, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us see some of you have that verse on your bathroom wall or on a little a bumper sticker or a magnet on your refrigerator but you ain't believing it you got to believe it no matter what you're facing today God says you're more than a conqueror now look at Paul just snap right here for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demon nor the present nor the future nor any powers nor height nor death nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord The last faith confession I want to give you today is the faith confession of being victorious. Because of Jesus' victory, I am victorious. Jesus gives me victory over each and every situation I face. Let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Because of Jesus' victory, I am victorious. Jesus gives me victory over each and every situation I face. You want to know how after we started that Bible study, I made it for the next two years when I dealt with depression, loneliness, having a church of less than 10 people, continuing to go to school to get my master's degree. I wrote out confessions like this, and I began to confess them. Do you know how the people I respect in life made it through their most difficult situation? I remember meeting a woman one of the first times I was out at a church after I got saved. She was going through a horrible divorce. Her husband had cheated on her. She was losing everything. And I said, how are you going through it? She said, I just read the Psalms and speak them over my life. I want you to hear this faith confession and decide today whether or not you will believe it. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, I am God's masterpiece. I am here to do good works prepared for me in advance. All my old junk is gone. Everything is new in my life. My new nature is righteous just like Jesus is righteous. Because of the Father's generosity and Jesus' work, I am both spiritually and materially blessed. Jesus has given me every blessing I will ever need. When I pray and bring thanksgiving, God hears me. Jesus gives me peace beyond my understanding in every troubled situation. Because of Jesus' victory, I am victorious. Jesus gives me victory over each and every situation I face. Amen. That means you agree. 
Let's say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, I am God's masterpiece. I am here to do good works prepared for me in advance. All my old junk is gone. Everything is new in my life. My new nature is righteous just like Jesus is righteous. Because of the Father's generosity in Jesus' work, I am both spiritually and materially blessed. Jesus has given me every blessing I will ever need. When I pray and bring thanksgiving, God hears me me. Jesus gives me peace beyond my understanding in every troubled situation. Because of Jesus' victory, I am victorious. Jesus gives me victory over each and every situation I face. Amen. If you believe it, will you stand to your feet and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. As the band comes this morning, the question I want to ask you today is who are you? As we get ready to close out today in prayer, we're going to have altar workers up here. You've already heard the gospel. We've prayed for needs. But we're going to give you one last opportunity today to come and receive prayer if you're going through an identity crisis. Who are you? Remember we used to sing a song. Let the poor say I am rich in him. Let the weak say, I am strong in him. What are you going to say about your life today? Has God made junk? Is that what it is? You're not a masterpiece, but you're just junk? And God doesn't have a plan, and you're just struggling right now, and he ain't going to do nothing for you. Is that what life is about? And if you don't do it for yourself, nobody will do it for you, and that mumbo-jumbo church stuff don't work. Is that how you're going to look at it today? You're going to make it out of this problem just by trying harder, working harder. You're going to try to fix your marriage, go take a vacation together. It's so funny because I hear these guys, as they're going through troubled marriages, come to me. They go, oh, I bought her a new ring. I did this, I did this, I did this. And they try to brag about what they do, and their marriage still falls apart. Just heard of another divorce of somebody I went to church with, and this guy would just brag. You know, I, would do, all, you know, I do all these lavish things. My friends, let me tell you something, how you keep your marriage together. Jesus. Jesus. Talk to these people about their children. Well, I just got a new wakeboarding boat. Going to keep my kids on this wakeboarding boat seven hours a day so they can't go out with their friends and do drugs. Going to make sure I send my kids to a private school, and then I'm going to send them to a private school within the private school so that they're going to stay away from anybody bad in the private school. Then I'm going to make sure they go to a private college, have a private dorm do all this, this, and this. By the time you get to know those kids, they're, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. They're as wild as can be. Because just sending your kids to a good school will not change their hearts. I've got one of my friends right now. He keeps sending all his kids to Christian schools because he's afraid they're going to grow up like him. And I said, dude, they're going to do what you do, not what they see that teacher do. It's up to you who you are and who you tell them they are. One of the most powerful things I ever saw was just a few months ago, I was at my friend's house, a pastor. I just love him so much. Good friend. Grown up with him my whole life, Wayne Northrup. We were out there fishing in New Orleans. And this makes me want to cry just think about it. But, you know, we were about ready to go fishing at night because that's when the sharks like to come out and big fish. So we are about ready to go out at night. And he goes, hey, man, I want to watch you. I want you to watch me put the, my daughter to bed. And I'm like, dude, come on. I'm thinking like he's showing off. But he's like, no, this is, this is powerful. you got to watch this. And so he brings her, Libby, right in front of us. And he goes, Libby, who does daddy say you are? She goes, 
I am my daddy's favorite. I am loved. I am blessed. God is on my side. I can do all things. And she rattled off like 10 things. And just tears welled up in my eyes. And I go, that young lady is not going to fall for some joker with a hot rod. Because she knows who she is. Look at my pastor, Brother Anthony Freeman. Four kids. Three of them are already in ministry right now. The fourth one's on the way. 15 years old. Married as virgins. Homeschooled them. And I remember sitting in his house, and after they got done eating, he would pull out his Bible, and he would say, okay, let's read these scriptures together, and then tell me what it means to you. And then before they would go to bed, he would pray for them and lay his hands on them, and he would say, these are precious men of God. They will grow up to become pastors and leaders. They will change the world. And now today they are. Sometimes people come to my house, and they think we're putting on a show for them when we pray and speak over our children. This is the secret of success in the Bible, my friends. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, he said, it is written. You have to own this today. Who are you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this service. I pray that we believe who you say we are. Altar workers, would you come? God, if there's anybody here today that needs to have it spoken over their life by a prayer worker, I pray they don't leave out here, God, until they receive prayer. But, Lord, for those of us who've received it, I pray now we put it in the action. And, God, when we face circumstances, oh, God, let it not change who we are. Let these circumstances not change our identity. We know who we are because of who you said we are. Bless us today as we leave this place as your children above and not beneath, first and not the last, blessed to be a blessing, empowered to do all things. Father God, use us in this world to shine your light. In Jesus' name, and can everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. Would you bless him today? Bless the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you at Life Groups. If you want prayer for anything we talked about today, come on up. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We love you.